Good morning, my good friends. I am glad once more to be with you this morning when we plan to continue with the message we started last Sunday. Our topic was, uh, and it is still, Jesus, our indomitable champion. He is our hero. He is unconquerable. He is a winner. And those who align themselves with him are become conquerors as he is a conqueror. Now, last Sunday we read from the book of uh, Luke, chapter 3, at the baptism of Jesus, and God speaking from heaven and saying, This is my son whom I love. In you I'm well pleased. And our prayer then was that uh, we should all uh, get to hear God saying that of us at the end of time, that he is pleased with us, his children, his sons and daughters. And this we saw is only possible if we repented of our, if we acknowledged our sins, if we were sorry about our sins, if we acknowledged them, when we repented, asked for forgiveness, Jesus does forgive. And then we become children of God. That's how it happens. There is no shortcut. And, and, and today we want to continue to the next phase, the next order of business that Jesus tackled um, early at the beginning of his earthly ministry and one which goes on up till now through you through the church of Jesus Christ here on earth. My name is Nimrod Bai from Koinonia Ministries, Nairobi. Before we read the word of God, let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are always with us, that you know what our needs are. The Bible says we don't even know what to pray about. But it is your Holy Spirit who intercedes on our behalf. Lord, how we desire to be filled with your Spirit. How we desire to know you personally. To be born into your family. To be called sons and daughters of God. Jesus invites us all to come to him and be saved. It is only when we accept that invitation... It is only when we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and give our lives to him and call him and accept him as Lord and Savior that then we can be called children of God. Help us, Father, to make that choice then as we remember how Jesus suffered for us, how he died for us, how he rose again, and how he wants us to be with him where he is. Make that possible, O oh God. Help us to open our hearts and receive Jesus Christ into our lives. And we pray in the name of Jesus Christ, our loving Savior. Amen. Now our reading this morning is from Luke chapter 4. And we shall read from verses 1 to 12. And it is about the temptation of Jesus. 
Jesus full of the Holy Spirit returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the desert where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days and at the end of them he was hungry. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man does not live on bread alone. The devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I'll give you all their authority and splendor, for it, is, it, it, for it has been given to me, and I can give to anyone I want. I want to. So, if you worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered, It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered, it says, do not put the Lord to, do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished all this tempting, he left him until an opportune time. Amen. That is the word of the Lord. So last Sunday, Jesus came and was baptized along with all the people who were being baptized. And now after he was baptized, the Holy Spirit came upon him and God spoke from heaven. Now we are being told now Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, you know, came out of the Jordan, came out of the place of baptism. And he was led by the same spirit to the desert where he was tempted by Satan for 40 days. And during those days he, he ate nothing. And at the end of it all, at the end of the 40 days, he was really, he was hungry. I believe really hungry and tired and exhausted, I, I, I suppose. But he was hungry. And yet, um, so I, 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 our, our, our lesson number one, even as we, even at this very early stage of our discussion, is this. No, I mean, first of all, the Holy Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit of God is holy. I mean, obviously. The Holy Spirit is holy is a Holy Spirit. Sin stinks in his nose. 
there's no room, there's no space the Holy Spirit can occupy if it is contaminated by sin. And so the, Jesus then was led by the Spirit to neutralize the bearer of all that is evil, the author of all that is dirty and filthy and it stinks to the highest heavens. From the reading of the Old Testament, we, we saw, and also in the book of Revelation, we saw how the, 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 the Bible euphoristically calls the, called the, the, the city, uh, uh, I mean, of Rome, uh, uh, you know, Babylon. And how the actual historical Bi Bi Babylon was, was a city that was full of evil. I mean, it's as if nothing good ever happened there. And, and, and we saw at a point where God was calling his people to come out, to come out of Babylon, you know, and, 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 and come to the land God had given them. Now, Jesus comes to a world that is thinking, that has been dominated by Satan ever since Adam and Eve sinned against God. Because this world, my friend, is under the control of the, of the, of, of the forces of darkness. And so they, after his baptism and being filled with the Holy Spirit, Jesus needed to do something about this. He went out and confronted the very other of evil, the devil himself. And let me say what I was saying was my lesson then is this. Because the Holy Spirit is holy and he has no association whatsoever with evil, this must be our desire also to be sure that our hearts that are the temple of the Spirit have no evil, no sins dwelling in, the, in, in, our, in them, in our heart that is. In, let us therefore constantly ask the Holy Spirit to inspect our hearts and review any sin that still lingers in our hearts that we might come and repent and be forgiven. So Jesus goes out then into the desert and there he is alone, alone with, the, with, with, the, with Satan and he needs to, to, to neutralize him, to, to, to reduce or to destroy his power to hurt and to mislead God's people. Jesus therefore came as a true ruler of the world. Satan is a fake. He does rule the world, but he is a fake. And his time is very short indeed, even though he still bothers uh, God's people, even though he is promotes corruption and death and pain and disease and war and strife on earth, his time is really limited. Now, the second point I would like to make and, and it's a challenge to us, my friend, is it is still, uh, I mean, it has to do with them Satan living side by side with us. Now, I know we all know this proverb that says, um, you know, two bulls, 
two bulls cannot live in the same space, in the same boma. One must be the champion. The second one must leave. And this is the law of nature. It is the law among human beings. It is the law of the jungle as well. How is it then, my friends, that we are so comfortable in the world that is so filled with satanic influence and, and, and it doesn't bother us? How is it that we are so comfortable associating with men and women whom we know to be full of idolatry and adultery and all manner of sin and we are believers in Christ presumably filled by his spirit and we don't feel comfortable and uncomfortable about it. How is it that uh, there's so much sin even in our churches and we are so comfortable there we do nothing about it. We say nothing about it. Two bulls cannot live together in the same compound. And so Jesus had to show who is the real champion, who is the true ruler of the world. And so he confronted Satan and 40 days, for 40 days, Satan tried to tempt Jesus to, but, but, but he didn't succeed as we have, as we have seen in the book of uh, in Luke. So there must be someone who calls the shot. Uh, and Jesus is the one appointed by God to rule the universe. Not Satan, not anybody else. So let us then look at the temptations. The first challenge or temptation, let me call it temptation, not, not just challenge. First of all, last Sunday we read how God declared Jesus to be his own son. And although, although that was last Sunday, Satan did not wait for 40 days, for, for seven days before challenging Jesus' authority, I mean uh, identity. So he says to him, if you are the son of God. The Bible, uh, the Bible tells us in chapter 3 of Luke, uh, God said, you are my son, whom I love. In you I am well pleased. And Satan says, if indeed you are the son of God, why don't you do this simple thing? You are hungry, aren't you? You are hungry, aren't you? For the days you have eaten nothing. You are the son of God. You have all the power. Turn, tell this stone to become bread. And then you can have a meal. I mean, it, it, it looks cheap. It looks shallow. It looks childish of Satan to, to think that Jesus could fall for such a trick. But my friends, I want us to remember what happened to Adam and Eve. It is not that they lacked bread or any fruit because the, the, the vineyard was full, of, the garden was full of fruit, all manner of trees and all that that were good for food. But it is only one fruit that now desired, that they saw 
was good for fruit and also desirable for gaining knowledge. And the eighth, and the consequences are with us ever since. And this is what Jesus is going to banish from the, from the world. And so he confronts the other of that deception and the other, the other of, of all the, the evil that is in the world today. So, if you are the son of God, turn this, tell this stone to turn into bread. My friend, you know, hunger is a need that all of us have. We were created with a need for food. And so, wanting food is a legitimate need that needs to be satisfied so that we can do other things, so that we can have energy to do our work. But you see, this satisfaction of this legitimate need must itself be legitimate. It must be godly, be done in a, hot, in a godly manner. So Jesus turned to Satan and said, It is written, it is written in the word of God, it is written that man does not live on bread alone. And um, the other Gospels add, but on every word that comes from the word of God. But Luke just says, man does not live on bread alone, and that is enough. Now, how is Jesus able to stay in the desert alone for 40 days, eating nothing? In John chapter 4, verse 34, when Jesus was having that conversation with a Samaritan woman, the disciples had gone away to buy food and then they came and, well, and, 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 and they, they started talking about themselves and oh, asking, oh, maybe something brought him food. Maybe he had already eaten and all that. And Jesus said, my food is to do the will of the one who sent me and to finish his work. Listen to this, my friend. My food is to do the will of the one who sent me and to finish his work. May I underlying that the fact that that is our business on earth as well. To do God's will and to complete his work. Food and all the other needs are legitimate, but they should not take priority over the work that God has created, uh, committed for us to do, and sent us, you know, in, in the world, uh, brought us into the world at this particular time uh, to do. And so that, is, that, that finishes then that, that temptation. The word of God is what we should believe in, not anything anybody else says. Then temptation number two. We are told that Satan takes Jesus up on a, on a mountainside and he shows all the kingdoms of the world, their splendor, their wealth, and he says, listen, all these things are mine, they have been given to me, and I'm at liberty to give them to anyone I like, I mean uh, as I like, so why don't you just bow one knee, bow your knees, bow, worship me, and all these things are yours in an instant. I, I, I don't know of, of these three temptations, I'm not sure which is the, the greatest, the most tempting.
last couple of Sundays, we were looking for the book, we were looking at the book of 1 John, chapter 2, where he says, do not love the world or anything in the world. And then he broke down into those three, you know, areas of our lives um, where, 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 where we are mostly uh, tempted, pride of possessions, or pride about what we are, what, what we become, and all that, and all that. And here is the devil actually um, doing exactly what John says that he does. To have possessions is the desire of everybody who is alive, I, I believe. To have something that belongs to you. Incl even, and I, you know, have uh, the privilege of watching children grow, our own children and also grandchildren. And at the very earliest point in their lives, the babies begin to create their own space. And if you invade their space, they are going to, 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 to let you know that they are, they are not, they are not, you are not welcome. They want their own time. They want to do their own things. They want to be le left alone to exercise their freedom and all that. They begin to possess, you know, to make, to make themselves felt. And, and, and so what we are seeing, I mean, so the, the desire, that desire to own something, to be the owner of something, is again a natural thing. And not just your clothes, not just food, well, maybe a house. Now these days, you know, all these things that uh, are so attractive these days, John says, do not love the world or anything in it. And Jesus, Jesus is our example of how not to love the world. Because he turned to the devil and said, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then temptation number three, the devil takes Jesus up on, on the, uh, to Jerusalem and uh, has him uh, go up to the highest point, peak uh, of, 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 the, of the temple and tells him, well, why don't you just throw yourself on the ground? And you know it is written, well, the angels of God will hold you and uh, protect you from harming yourself. And I want us, my friend, to note that the devil quoted from the Bible. And so, let us learn from this as a lesson. It is not all those who quote the Bible are genuine. We have had false prophets. We have had false apostles. We have had all manner of false preachers quoting from the Bible and using the Bible to lead people astray. And here is Satan trying this trick on Jesus. Well, it doesn't work. Uh, I'll read that, what, what his response is. What Jesus' response is. Jesus, verse 12, chapter 4, verse 12. Jesus says, it says, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. And then, the devil having been defeated, Luke says he left, the devil left Jesus until an opportune time. Throughout Jesus' ministry on earth, Satan was looking for an opportunity to tempt him when he was not aware. And so our, our, um, uh, uh, our next point then is to see how we can ourselves overcome temptation because what happened to Jesus happens to us as well. 
and he would keep on tempting, looking for an opportune uh, time. I want us to, I mean, there are many lessons we can learn from uh, this story, but uh, today I want us to just concentrate on one lesson. It is written. It is written. Jesus repeated uh, in defense, in response to Satan, it is written in the word of God. This is the word of truth. What is written here is what counts, not what Satan says. So, I want to start by saying the Bible is not a mere religious book. <coughs> it is not a book among other books. Among other things, the Bible is a weapon of spiritual warfare. You might even call it as a, a weapon of mass spiritual destruction. According to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 up to 18. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even the dividing, even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. <clears throat> Jesus used this sword, my dear friends, most effectively on the occasion of his temptation. The book of Revelation tells, the, tells us that by the same word of his mouth, will the Lord judge and destroy his enemies. The Bible is furthermore God's manual for abundant living here on earth. <coughs> How do you use this book as a tool, as a weapon of spiritual warfare? First of all, there are no shortcuts. We have to read it. We have not to read it, but we have to meditate upon it day and night, as the psalmist says in Psalm number one. John says in, in, in John chapter 15, 7, we need to abide in the word of God. In the book of Acts chapter 2, we read that the early church, the apostolic church in Jerusalem after Pentecost devoted themselves to the teaching of the word of God and to prayer. Colossians 3.16 tells us, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Nehemiah chapter 8 verses 1 to, 9, to chapter 9 15 tells us how uh, Nehemiah, how, uh, how Ezra, the priest uh, whose story we read not too long ago, uh, the people having forgotten the word of God, which they called the law, uh, Ezra and, um, and, and, and Nehemiah together brought the people together and, and put, put them in one place to teach them the word of God. And they started from dawn. Ezra started reading the word from dawn until noon. You know? And the people... Um, listened and they were convicted or convinced 
and they began to confess all their sins, to repent and praise God and worship. And there was a change of attitude towards God and his word. They showed compassion for the needy and, and, and life uh, at that time in Israel changed uh, for the better. Now James chapter 1 verse 22 says, let us not be just mere listeners of the word, but let us do what it says. Let us meditate on it. Let us memorize it. Let us believe in what it says and do it. In chapter in, in um, Timothy chapter two verse three sixteen and uh, and, and on seventeen, we are told that the word of the, the Bible, the word of God, is actually breathed from the from the very uh, mouth of God. So Jesus says it is written. When he says it is written, Jesus is referring to the written word of God, the word that has come from the mouth of the Lord, by which we are to live not bread alone. God is the author of this book. Right, it has got uh, human authors who recorded what uh, the Holy Spirit inspired them to write. But some of it is actually, we are told, God said, and, 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 and God said, write this in some parts, uh, up to Revelation. John was um, uh, receiving a kind of dictation what to record. So it is written uh, by God, through human others. It contains our history, the human history from the beginning of the world to its very end. It tells us of our past, the present and our future. The word of God is the word of life. It is the bread of life, which if you eat, you will never be hungry and you will never die. That is the promise of Jesus himself. By the words of this book, this book, God brought the universe and all creation into existence. And by the same word, will, God will command the end and the destruction of the universe. By the word of God, we are saved. By the word of this book, the dead in Christ will be brought back to life to live with God forever. This book contains the good news about Jesus Christ. It tells us that Jesus is the living word of God. To take up this book and read it, is equal to having a direct conversation with God. It is the good news. Everywhere this gospel message has been preached, the people are enlightened. They come out of darkness into the wonderful light of God. The people are awakened to new realities and new possibilities and um, are reviewed which bring about progress. Progress. And, and, and also, uh, I mean, I'm talking about human progress and, and also uh, human uh, uh, pro pro prosperity. Right now, in the world is, is at its peak in terms of um, human knowledge, the area of science and technology. I mean, such wonderful things are happening. And my friend, don't think that this is, this is, this is I mean, this book is not involved in all these things. Well, if you read this book, you see and you'll be convinced, I am convinced myself, that all that knowledge, all that technology has its beginnings here, like everything, el everything else. So, let us then take this book and read. Read it for its worth. Let us read as if our lives depend on it, 
because it actually does. Our lives actually do depend on this. Now, as we, come, as we finish our discussion, let us go back to the temptation of Christ. The Bible tells us not once, many times, that we are all tempted now, even if we, don't, we might not know, and we shall be tempted, and we shall be tempted yet again. Jesus, the Satan left Jesus until an opportune time. Satan is always looking for an opportune time. And so the word of God says, we will be tempted as others are tempted. But God will not allow you, my dear friend, believer in Christ, to be tempted beyond your capacity to resist. God will always show you a way out. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. So, um, Jesus says to Satan, it is written. Before that, Jesus fasted 40 days, and I believe he also prayed during that time. The way out of temptation, my dear friends, is to be found in this book. Through regular, preferably daily, at a given time, is the, the, the way out of temptation comes out of reading this book regularly, and not just reading, but meditating on the word. It also comes, I mean, we, the way out of temptation also comes through prayer, because we, Jesus taught us to pray, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. My dear friends, that is the word of God today. Let us go and meditate on it. You can read the very scriptures we have read and, 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 and ask the Holy Spirit to guide you into, into you know, obtaining a fuller revelation of what uh, all this means and what we ought to do. I thank you and, and pray that, well, we shall be able to stand up against Satan's temptation more confidently with the power uh, from the Holy Spirit. I would like to invite you, my dear friends, to come to the Lord Jesus Christ. There is no need to wait anymore. Anyone who has read this book, I mean with, with, with a desire to learn, does learn. Anyone who reads this book with a desire to know God and his Christ and the way of salvation will get an answer from here. Anyone who is sick and reads this book and does what it says will be healed. Anyone who is afraid and reads this book will learn from it how not to be afraid. One who is confused will learn how not to be confused. One who is weighed down with care and worry we will cease to be worried uh, and, 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 um, and confused. So let us read this book um, all the time. Do not be anxious about anything. It is written. But in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening. 
May God bless you. Uh, do write to us through that number uh, or send that email to us and we shall be pleased to interact with you. Amen.